0: Hey, let's say thanks to the choir one more time, leading us into the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful for the hope of eternity in heaven, and I'm thankful that we don't have to wait until heaven to have the joy of the Lord, that we can have it right here and right now in the middle of all the... Come on, let's just thank Him and praise Him. He's right here with us. I'm excited to jump into the Word, and if you're ready for God's Word today, come on, let's join our hearts together in prayer and just ask that God would talk to us today. Would you do that? Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you that your Word is alive. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you, Lord, that you have something specific that you want to do in our hearts and our lives today. And as a people, as a family, Lord, we open our hearts to you. And we pray that you would have your way and be glorified, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to show us and speak to us today, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Before you see to tell two or three people, I'm excited to listen to God's word today. Go ahead and do that, and then have a seat. Well, this is an emphasis this week and next week on Calvary Serve. We are a church. We are a family, and all of us play a role. We're delighted that you're here as we're kicking off this first part of a two-parter. Pastor Ross will be preaching next week. so you want to make sure you're back for that as he wraps this up. But this is a, a special season in the life of our church. and As we get ready to jump into this, I want to share a quick story with you. This goes all the way back to my football days, way back to my junior high football days and way back to the day when man it was just so cool to be on a team to play on a team to win games to play in front of the the fans and the stands and all of the family and friends who had come to cheer you on and i was playing in this one particular junior high football game that was a road game it was an away game we were going in a hostile territory it was going to be an intense game but thankfully it wasn't so far away that I didn't have some family that could come. As a matter of fact, it was, it was uh, because it was away from our city. It was closer to a city where my grandparents lived. And so they made the drive into town to watch the game. They didn't just come, but they brought some friends of theirs with them to watch their grandson play in the junior high football game. And so, man, it was so exciting. There I was on the field warming up, getting ready to start the game, and I'm kind of looking back in the stands. You know, you don't want to be too obvious. You don't want to act like you care too much, but you're kind of looking up just to see if, if they're there, and they're smiling, and everybody's beaming, just watching. you. Kind of, I see you, you know, and I'm going back to getting all ready. And then it came time for the game to start. I was on the kickoff team. We were going to be kicking off to the other team. I was on the kickoff team. Man, the energy was just electric. I was there on the line waiting for the kick to come. The guy who was there beside the ball throws his hands up getting ready and here's come. the whistle blows and he drops his hand and they kick the ball. I just go running. Why? Because I'm about to make a clip uh, a a, a play right here that you could just guarantee to be able to see. Reruns multiple times on ESPN from this junior high football running with all I've got down there. As I'm running to make the tackle one of their defenders, one of those guys he tries to block me so he hits me oh man I wasn't ready for that <laughs> so it kind of jolted me a little bit and I thought man that probably didn't look too cool you know me running full speed and he hit me like that so I I hit him back Then he hit me back then I hit him back have you ever seen two football players Try and fight, which doesn't make any sense, right? Because you are totally just covered from head to toe with equipment, you know, and it's just like you can't even get a punch in if you wanted to. It doesn't make sense to punch a face mask. It doesn't make sense, but he's hitting me, and I'm hitting him, and he's hitting me, and I'm hitting him, and finally I hear a whistle blow, and I see a, a flag fly, and the ref looks it up, and he says, You're kicked out of the game. Opening play of the game family and friends who came from all over the United States of America to watch this junior high football game and I played for a grand total of six seconds in the game can you just imagine with me what I was feeling and thinking as I took the walk of shame to the sidelines it's over it's it that's it I'm looking I can tell that the friends and family in the stands like You get kicked out on opening play? And then my coach, what were you thinking? That's just it, coach. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a skirmish that then it hits you after some point how embarrassing and how silly it really is? And I thought, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed as I just sat there on the sidelines for the rest of the game knowing I had all of the fan support and all the friends in the family and and they're watching people they don't even know or care about watch a junior high, play a junior high football game and And I felt so embarrassed, and I imagine it felt a little bit like these dudes that we're about to look at in this story in the Bible. Now, see if you don't see a little bit of a connection here in Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at this thought today on the servant's reward, but I want to start off by bringing you behind the scenes of a little skirmish, an embarrassing one at that, between some of the disciples. It says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, that then the mother of Zebedee's son, so then, this is after. Jesus has just taken some time to communicate to his followers that he's about to suffer an agonizing, cruel death of crucifixion. He just explained to them that he's about to die. He's sharing with them about all of the pain that he's about to suffer. Then after that. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, she comes to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, ask a favor of him. Now remember, he has just said, this is what's about to go on in my life. I'm about to be beaten. I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to die. I'm about to give my life. And so then... She comes with her sons and kneels down and asks a favor. Verse 21, what is it you want? He asked, she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Can you believe the audacity not only of the request? Listen, I know that it's going to be tough to decide who sits on your left. And who sits on your right throughout all of history. Of all who have loved you and worshipped you. Of all who have given their lives to serve you. But may I make a request. When you go to make that decision, was just curious if maybe, just maybe you'd consider my boy James. and My other boy, John. Would you mind? And not just the request, but the timing of it. You're about to be crucified. You're about to be beaten. hate to hear that, Jesus. Uh, Just one other quick thing before we wrap up. He says that in verse 24, jump to verse 24, when the ten, who were the ten? That's the rest of the disciples. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They weren't just bothered, they were steaming mad. There was emotion tied to this. They were angry. They were, they were, they were so, I can't believe. James and John did that. And you may be thinking, well, I'm right there with them. I'm indignant as well. I'm appalled. I cannot believe. But you have to understand that these other ten were not mad. They weren't so mad because they were so spiritual. They weren't mad because they were going, I can't believe that you would even be thinking about such a thing. They weren't mad that James and John were thinking it. They were mad that James and John beat them to the punch you say can you back that up back that up i'm so glad that you asked it. and yes i can let me show you what it says in the parallel account of the story in the book of mark Mark gives us a little bit more insight to the story, a little bit more context into what the other ten were thinking when it says in Mark chapter 9 verses 33 and 34, when he, that is Jesus, when he then came into the house, he asked them, he asked his disciples, look what he says, what were you arguing about on the road? So he asked them, why were you guys so bothered? Hey, what was it that you guys were fighting about? Uh, I noticed that you guys were having a heated discussion. Why were you arguing? Look at what it says in verse 34. <laughs> it says, But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Can't you just see it right now, this going on? Jesus, like, hey, they're, oh, they're fighting. They're just going back and forth. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I know he likes me better than you. I know that for a fact. No, I think that he likes What, well, the other day, remember he called me to go with him to get some fish and chips? Do you remember that the other day? Oh, yeah, but the other day, you remember when it came time to pray, he looked to me because he knows I'm the most spiritual. He had me to bless the bread. You remember that? They're going over. Oh, why? They think that they're the greatest. And then uh-uh, an uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-huh starts getting escalated. They're upset. And James and John beat them to the question. They got to him first. They're mad. And Jesus says, what are y'all arguing about? He's, they... I ain't saying a word they were so embarrassed they didn't even want to answer why? because deep inside all of us there's this carnal this human desire to be great to be the greatest and, and it can cause us to get distracted by things that are just downright silly silly Talking about the walk of shame, walking from the playing field to the sidelines because I got distracted about something that didn't even matter and I was so worried about myself that moment I forgot about the team. I forgot about the game that was going on that I was really supposed to be participating in and, and playing and contributing towards. I just thought I can't let number 42 or whatever his number was get the best of me here in front of the fans and, and, and my and my, my family. I've got I've got to win this little skirmish. Why? Because I gotta show them that I'm tough and I showed them I was just tough enough to get kicked out of the game six seconds into it. And these guys are arguing over who's the greatest and and now they're ashamed. You've got these grown men talking about stuff like, he likes me more than you do, uh, more than he likes you. Uh, uh, my dad can beat up your dad. You know, that whole routine, and it exposes something deep in all of us. And Jesus addresses it head on. And first, I want to see how Jesus shows us what greatness is not. Point number one is this. Greatness is not found in self-promotion. In response to James and, and, and John jockeying for position, back to the account in Matthew, it says in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, it says, Jesus called them together, and He says this to them. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And then look at these next four words. It's a contrast compared to what he just said they are like versus what you're supposed to be like. He says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Jesus is saying there are some who are who are living lives according to this system of power of position of authority who measure and determine value, worth, Or greatness off of how many people are supposed to do what you say, how many people follow you on social media, how many people cater towards your requests and your needs as if that is what it means to be great. And it's our sin nature that we would want that kind of attention. It's our sin nature that we would want all of the accolades and all of the awards. We want to be recognized for our great ideas. Even if we do something nice, we want people to clap for us when we do. We want to be rewarded for our great accomplishments and our great efforts. We want to be celebrated because according to the world, that's what it means to be great. But notice he doesn't rebuke their desire to do something great. In verse 26a, the first part of it, he says, instead, whoever wants to be great among you, catch that, there's nothing wrong with dreams. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do something great. There's nothing wrong with wanting to accomplish much. Listen, in God's kingdom work, there is no medal for mediocrity. So it's not like God is saying, don't dream, don't aspire, don't have any ambition. What he's talking about here is, are you doing it for your glory or his glory? He's saying, do you really want my life uh, or this world to revolve around your life Is your prayer and your desire that I would bless you and that I would gift you, that I would anoint you so that everybody around you will know how great you are or how great I am, God says. What's the motive behind our hearts? He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to do something great. He wants them to be a part of greatness. He wants them to do something that is significant. And yet he shows them how. And here's point number two. While greatness is not found in self-promotion, point number two, greatness is found in being a servant. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26, 27, and 28 He says, instead, whoever wants to be great among you, and then says how? It must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, unless your pursuit of significance takes you down the path of service, you will never experience the life of fulfillment and blessing that God intends for you to know. God wants you to be a difference maker, He wants you to be a game changer. He wants you to accomplish much, but he wants you to do it through the heart of a servant, not someone who spends their days trying to build their own name and their own glory. Listen, every single person in this room is gifted. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor right now and say, seriously, you are gifted. You are a talented person. You are especially wonderful, created, made in the image of God. It's true for every single person in this room. But isn't it hilarious how we can think that God gives me my gifts, He gives me my abilities, He gives me these talents, and now I think that He's given them to me for me? And I lose sight of the fact that He's created me for the praise of His glory. Anything that I have to contribute, God says, you watch what happens when you take what I've placed within you and you tie it to something bigger than you. You tie it to my eternal plan. You tie it to my kingdom work. And you watch what happens when you spend your life as a servant in my kingdom. See, God's economy oftentimes takes the world's systems, the world's ways, or the world's and flips it upside down. In a world that's a dog-eat-dog dog world that climbs the ladder and wants to get to the top, God says, "Listen. When you follow the world's path, or that, it's a race to the bottom." You're scrounging, clawing, crying, and trying to do that fighting to get there, only to realize that you have gone to the bottom. God says, if you want to get to the top, here's what you do. You realize that it is not all about you. It is not all for you. This could be a breakthrough for somebody in the room, especially if, you have parent, if you're a parent in here. Just nudge your son or daughter and say, come on, he's preaching to you right now. But we will find fulfillment. We will find joy, we will find life, we will find meaning when we realize that this world does not revolve around me. I will be most satisfied when God is most glorified when I take my life and spend it for His glory. God wants us to live a life of servanthood because He wants us to live a life that's full of joy. What a privilege to be a servant of God. Let's just start with this point. How how is it joyful? How is it exciting? Well, because we realize I was made for this. You've heard that said before, right? That a person really understands who they are when they realize why they're here. They find their purpose and when I realized I was made for this, I was made to be a servant in the kingdom of God. I am perfectly designed, shaped, and wired to carry out His purpose for the praise of His glory. Now I can begin to live. But man, when we fall into this trap of self-fulfillment, self, self-motivating, or self-preservation, uh, uh, you know, or, or it's all about me, it's a miserable, empty life. And my mom would come and watch me play sports and playing football in particular. You know, it's always funny how you could have the game going on. You could have the, the players, you know, hitting each other and the, the coaches screaming. You could have the band playing. But somehow, some way, I could always hear my mom from the stands through everybody else. And it was usually she didn't like me getting hit. You know, she'd see me after the game with some bumps and bruises and things like that. Oh, it was just—it would just crawl all over. You know, it was just terrible. It was just oh, and and so while I'm playing the game, I could always hear above the rest of the noise. I could hear my mom because I would be running the ball, and I could tell it was my mom as she's screaming out, "Run out of bounds!" I'm running and somebody's coming towards me. She said, sit down. Don't let him hit you. I'd get hit, get some bumps and bruises, come home after the game, maybe have a bloody knuckle or something. She said, oh, let me see your hand. Did Oh, did that happen on that one play? up? Yes, ma'am, that's when it happened right there. Did you not hear me screaming to run out of bounds? Actually, mom, I... I I did, clearly, over the entire stadium. I specifically heard you. Why didn't you run out of bounds? And what's funny about that is I'm going, Mom, that's not the point of the game. (laughs) So the goal is not, I'm going to run around here as long as y'all just move like nobody touched me. Excuse me, coming through, just trying to score a touchdown. It doesn't work like that. I expect there to be some opposition. Come on, are you tracking with me? I mean, it'd be weird if we showed up for the game and we're like, who are those other guys? What are they doing here? Well, that's the other team. Well, what are they trying to prove? <laughs> They're trying to keep you out of the end zone so that you don't score. Well, that's not very nice. No, that's part of the game. But a lot of times when we sign up to do God's work, we're like, Lord, I just want to win for you. I just want to see victories in your kingdom. And God goes, okay, now listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to crawl up on this altar and put yourself down and say, it's not about me living for me. It's no longer me living for me, but it's Christ living in me. I live for the praise of his glory. I'm going to take up a towel. I'm going to be a servant in the kingdom of God. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do the work of God. Even when I have to go through adversity, sometimes we're like, well, I would be in the choir. But do you know how early they have to get here on Sunday mornings? Man, I went to sign up to be on the worship team. And they had the audacity to tell me, i got to show up for practice. I'm like, do you not know who just offered to bless you with my voice? And I was going to do it until I found out as if we show up to serve God's kingdom and get all weirded out and freaked out when we think we may have to sacrifice a little something along the way. We're like, well, I didn't sign up for that. I said I wanted to be a servant. I didn't say I wanted to serve. I just said I wanted to be a servant. I didn't mean. It's just hilarious. Well, I, I heard that they needed some help in the nursery. If you'd be interested, why? Well, I don't I don't do diapers. <laughs> I don't do diapers. I thought you want to make a difference in the kid. Diapers not included. I mean, I I do. I want to make a difference for God. I just want it to smell good while I do it. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to. Hey, I know you could be a game changer in the youth ministry. I know that God could use you. I'm allergic to teenagers. I don't do teenagers. I lived through that once. I never want to go back again. Come on, some of y'all in here know you'll do anything but work with a teenager. (laughs) It's just like, no. They scare me, man. They scare me. I'm just saying, you could do it virtually over any area of any ministry. But what I want you to know is, is that God has saved you. You're not saved to sit. You're saved to serve. God has a plan for you, not just to be a wild spectator, but a participator. God wants to use you. And the joy comes in. God says, here's what greatness is. Greatness is when you realize it. It's not like the world system where you go, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. Can't you just see the world system coming through the ministry fair and looking at the booths? Come on. did you guys see some of the booths when you came in today man they're just laid out they're spread out and you can look around and see the different opportunities and see the world will walk by and just kind of look at it like a buffet line you know you know how you do a buffet line you just kind of hmm. you kind of stir it up a little bit you're like. that's the way the world does like oh I'll serve I ain't doing that one right there too much of a time commitment right there. Teenage? No, no teenagers. we just kind of. It's not a buffet line. Today and next week is not about. We would like to find a place for you, a place that requires no commitment, zero sacrifice, and is 100% convenient. You don't need to pray. Just feel your way into a place here at Calvary Serve. Whatever is easiest. That's all you have to do. I want to be a servant. I just don't want to serve. God says, there's a joy there. Here's what, you want to do something great? Yes, I do, God. Remember, it's not about you. I remember that, Lord. It's not about me. You want to make a difference? I do want to make a difference. He says, spend yourself. Give yourself. Give yourself to something that matters. Give yourself to something that will last. We should always begin with the end in mind, right? Always begin with the end in mind. What is the ultimate end? Is that I'm going to stand before him one day, and he's not going to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful preacher. Well done, thou good and faithful singer. Well done, thou good and faithful author. Well done, thou good and faithful doctor, lawyer, teacher, coach, plumber, electrician. He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Shouldn't that motivate me? That's what he's looking for. That's what he wants me to be. I just want to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, Paul gives us this picture of what's going to happen on that day. There's a, there's a judgment. In other words, we will all stand before God, every single person in this room today. And, and yet you may say, well, I, I don't even belong to this church. We're still going to stand before the Lord because after life on this earth comes to an end, we will stand before God and give account for our lives. There's one judgment called the great white throne judgment. That's a judgment for Salvation. That would be for the place where while people who, while here on earth, said, No thanks, I will not make you king of my heart. I will not make you lord of my life. I reject you as savior. I reject you as lord and priority in my life. I don't want you in control. I want to be in control. Or they try and put God in their image. Okay, I'll serve God on these terms or in this way. So there's no true salvation at all. They will stand before him and he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You did not want to submit to my lordship while on earth. So for all of eternity there will be separation. So those people will be separated from God for all of eternity. And you're probably thinking right now, man, I just praise God that that's not the case for me. I can't wait to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Then we'll still stand before God. It's not a judgment of salvation. It's a judgment of service in other words we'll stand before him and say it's not a matter of can I get in do I have our uh, reservations here you know okay no I'm coming into heaven Paul says it this way he says you're building your life right now that will go through the test of fire on that day scripture calls it and it says that the fire will test the quality of each man's work in other words, all that I am, all that I have, it will go through the fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's word. And he says, some people build their lives on things that will burn. They're building on this, they're building on that, building on their career. You know, well, I go to church every now and then when it's convenient. Oh, every now and then, I'll do something nice as long as it doesn't cost me too much. I'll drop a little something in the bucket. Whatever it is, it's like, hey, I'm a Christian. I've made Jesus Lord of my life. And he says, but you spent your life in such a way as to where it was really all about what was convenient, what was easy, what you determined you wanted to do, what you thought you might ought to do. And it says, it will go through the test of the fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. And he said, for some people, their lives of service will be consumed. It says, they will make it in, but only as one, here's what scripture says, only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, I made it to heaven, but I have nothing to offer him by way of a life of service. See, the joy of serving comes in when I realize I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was broken, but God has healed my broken heart. Man, there was a time where I was just lost in my way and and hopeless and, and just had no purpose, and God rescued me. And now for the rest of my days, I spend every heartbeat going, it's no longer about me. I no longer live for my name. Lord, I spent enough time in the past, not so with me. I will spend the rest of my days doing your work and building your kingdom. And it says, those who build their lives like that, that their work and their life will go through the test of the fire. And what they served and did in the name of God will remain. And will be rewarded. You need to know that your life will be rewarded as you serve God. There's a joy that comes with that. It's an excitement. It's a passion that comes. So you can serve joyfully knowing that you will be rewarded generously when you stand before Him on that day. A lot of times what happens when it comes to serving is that it just kind of has this negative connotation, right? It's like everybody wants to be a servant until somebody treats them like one, you know, right? Then you're like, oh, well, that's not what I was talking about, you know, right there. No, that's not even it. But the joy comes in when we just say, Lord, I'm going to jump in and go for this. Now, I know that it's still winter time, and it's freezing outside. My hands are still cold from this morning. It won't warm up till probably after second service. I'll probably start thawing out just a little bit. So it's cold, and I get it. So it might be hard for you to imagine an analogy right now of going swimming. Okay, but let's just have a happy summer thought for just a minute, okay? So you can just close your eyes. Do you know what? Even in the summertime, this is what I know is there's a difference in my kids going swimming and me going swimming. Whenever we go to the pool, my kids, they run. They don't, even, they, they, don't even, they don't even check the temperature of the water. How silly is that, right? They just go and they just jump in. And what I do is I go and I just sit down and watch them. Come on, Dad. Come swim in a minute. Come on, Dad. Are you going to get in? in a minute? Come on. Any parents ever been there before and they just keep on? Are you getting it? in a minute? You know what I'm doing? I'm trying to mentally work up the nerve to get in. And then it comes time to us, okay, fine. Dad, we got to leave in 10 minutes. I thought you were going to get I'm getting in. Then I go, and you know you do this too. <laughs> and I've never once in my life gone, man, that feels great. No matter what it is, I always go, ooh, that's a little cold right there. Man, that's. Come on, Dad. You got to eat? I'm trying to get in. Oh, man. Swimming, laughing, playing, having a good time. Ooh. come on. You can feel it with me right now, can't you? Everybody in here. You know what cracks me up as I go in like this? I'll start getting deeper, but then I'll start... Standing on my tiptoes, which makes no logical sense. Because I'm going in, but I'm not ready. Then I'll go in just a little bit deeper. Man, when it starts getting about here, you know what all of us do? You know you've done it before. (laughs) I don't know why. We're about to go in. But this is miserable. Kids are playing and having fun. I'm having a near-death experience over here in the shallow end. And there are a lot of people, they treat serving or getting involved in the work of the Lord like that, like, well, let me just try it. That's not real comfortable right there. Let me see the least that I can do. And it's miserable. There are others who have jumped in, did a cannonball, having the time of their lives. I'm just asking, what would happen if the Calvary Church family did a cannonball in the area of servanthood? The area of serving the Lord, saying, I want to be a difference maker. I want to be a game changer. Listen, when you go and you serve in an area of ministry. And you're choosing and picking it. In just a moment, you're going to take this hand out. Everybody go and take it in your hand if you would right now. If you would, just grab it and hold it. And you're just going to give some thought to three easy steps here. But you'll notice what is not an option here that just says, what would be, just in your mind and your estimation, easiest, most convenient Least sacrificial, one that would bring you glory. That's not going to be anywhere on this card. You don't even have to look. But it is meant to say hey, don't feel pressured. Don't do it out of guilt or out of obligation. But consider it. When you look at your time, when you look at your talent, when you look at your treasure, When you look at all that, just start from a posture of cannonball. I'm just going in, Lord, whatever you have, that's what I want. I'm going to pray. And whenever God says this is going to require something on your part, don't look at it and go, I'll just run out of bounds. I'll just sit on the sideline. I thought serving God was a spectator sport. You'd be miserable. You'll be miserable. What could happen in this community? What could happen in this world? If all of us stepped back and looked at it and thought, you know what? I've got limited time that I can spend. We're all busy. Every single person in this room is busy. Question is, busy doing what? And Am I kingdom-centered? Am I looking at it and saying, God, is a part of your family and serving your house, I'm going to make it a priority. Lord, I want to jump in and be involved. I just wonder about what's going to happen in the kids ministry when you show up and you're a difference maker and a little boy, little girl shows up that doesn't maybe have a dad in his life or maybe doesn't live with his mom or or maybe he's gone through something who's never been loved or maybe never been told that he's he's loved and, and there you are working in the kids ministry and you're the one that makes eye contact and says, I'm so glad that you came today. Man, when you walked in this room, it just got cooler up in here because you're so cool like that let me feel those muscles ooh big old muscles right there man you're so strong you're so and they just walk out of that place feeling like a million bucks they came that day, maybe the first time, single mom, and they get back, and the single mom's just thinking, hey, I will come to this church just for the brain break. Let the kids get checked in somewhere. Maybe that mom had, a, had, a, had an experience with God. She's going, don't they have sick services? I'll just stay for them all. Let them just stay in the kids' area. But then when the little kids get picked up, the little, mom, the, the little kids come to the mom, and she's wondering, how did it go? He goes, oh, I loved it. Matter of fact, i got to come back next week. One of the workers, I'm his only friend. I got to come back next week. Oh, because you said, yeah, I, I get it. It's going to cost me. I get that part. That's that whole serve thing. Like I get that. But I'm willing to be a difference maker. I'm willing to get involved. I'm willing to be a game changer cuz I'm living for that day when he says, "Well done. Thou good." and faithful servant. So you have this card, and you'll have a number of opportunities, we just want you to pray about it. I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. I just hope that you'll join in on the fun and not look at this as some guilt trip or some obligation, but instead look at it as the biblical pattern for God's people, so that his church is made up of people, and his church are committed to his work, And you will never be all that you're supposed to be. We will never be as a church family who we're supposed to be until we all say cannonball. Amen. Let's do this. I'll use my voice. I'll use my mind. I'll use my time for the praise of his glory. Would you bow your heads and let's just pray together. And as I pray, just let the Lord be speaking to your heart. You'll have this card. You'll have a chance even to Walk out and look at some of the booths and the opportunities and see maybe what God is whispering to your heart about how you can get involved and serve. Lord, I pray over every single one of us in this room today, Lord, that you would give us a joy and an excitement and a faith and an enthusiasm about building your church. I know, Lord, that you're the one that does the heavy lifting, and I thank you for the privilege that we get to be a part of the journey. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint us to serve. Speak to hearts. Let faith rise up. Let dreams be birthed in hearts on how they can serve you. Be a difference maker. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for one other group. I get it that today you may be here and you're saying, Scotty, I'm not even right with God. How would I even serve God? Scott, I can't jump in and be a part of ministering here or serving at the church because I myself, I just have so many issues. I've got got this brokenness I'm dealing with or I've got sin in my heart. Can I tell you, friend, that here's the power of the gospel? Is that no matter how dirty you may be or feel, no matter how broken you may feel today, no matter how dark your past, listen, I want you to hear this. God's grace is so amazing. And his love so deep and so rich that he's not mad at you or angry. He is thrilled that you came to his house today. And while he has a plan to use you in his house, he first wants to work on your heart and have you experience the grace and the hope that you will in turn go and carry to others. But today is your day. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, I want to pray for you. If you say, Scotty, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I need that fresh start, that clean slate, that new beginning. I want to know that I'm right with God. Scotty, I want to know that I'll spend forever in heaven instead of hell. I need my sins forgiven. I'm going to pray for you. You know, it sounds too easy. No, there's nothing easy about it. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to come and die on your place and, and in my place. He died so that we could live. There was nothing easy about it. And on your part and mine, it just takes a simple step of faith to receive that free gift of grace. Do you want that today? You can have it. If you don't want to leave this place without it, I just want you by an uplifted hand to say, Scotty, that's me, including that final prayer I want to commit. I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to make Jesus Lord of my heart. Come on, all over the room, if that's you, would you lift your hand up right now so I can pray for you? Yeah, hands going up in every single section. So many hands, so many hands. Anybody else before we pray, Scottie, I'm not right with God, but I want to be, yeah, yeah, anybody else? Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, dear God, come on, say it out loud. Say, dear God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Today, I surrender my life to you. I make you king of my heart and Lord of my life. From this moment on, I will follow you and I will serve you all of my days. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Come on, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church, let's praise the Lord for saving souls today. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you all may stand to your feet, if you would, please. For those of you that just prayed that prayer to commit your life to Christ on the screen right now, you'll see them, uh, your next step. There are a couple of options for you. One is to fill out the card in your bulletin to just let us know about your decision. Why? We want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you on a journey. If there's anything we can do to serve you, we want to be in lockstep with you. Give you a Bible if you need one. Help you with next steps. So either fill out that card or text your name. For everyone, take this card. This is your next step today, next week. Like, what if I guess the wrong ministry? Listen, you get do-overs, okay? So if you're like, I didn't know I was allergic to teenagers until I went in there. And then I realized that I was. I realized, listen, you'll have an opportunity through praying through working with leadership to find the place that's right for you. Just don't tiptoe in. Jump in somewhere. Don't be afraid of starting somewhere. God will bless you. Why? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Be back next week for Pastor Ross. You can go in the grace of the Lord. You're dismissed.